48 Hour Art Check, Best of Podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 p.m. California time, and talk about all things creativity, art, illustration, and cartooning. We take the best parts of those conversations and we rip the audio and put it in this podcast. Today we are talking about right brain, left brain, or why it's good to lose track of time. So uh, the last the last episode where we were talking and we kind of went off on this tangent and we said, hey, this would make for a really good episode. And so um, I'm not exactly sure where we're going to take this, but I think it's really good content because um, if you can begin to identify how different parts of your um, your brain feel, then you can uh, be able to control your modality and your types of uh, your, your brain activity in a way that makes it really helpful. So for example, um, when you are one, one of the key indicators that you are in the creative mode um, or, or what some people refer to as right brain, left brain. And before the internet jumps down my throat, when I say right brain, left brain, I'm not actually talking about physical left and right hemispheres of your brain because that's been kind of debunked, but I'm talking about the general idea of the creative side and the analytical side. Um, but I'll, I'll still use right brain, left brain because most people kind of uh, recognize those. But when you switch over to the right side of your brain, which is where um, your creativity, your imagination, your fun, uh, your nonlinear and irrational type of thinking happens, um, there's two main things that will happen um, that, that are a good indicator of that. And the, the main one is that People say things like, oh, time flies when you're having fun. The reason that time flies when you're having fun is because being creative is fun. And when you're having fun and you are enjoying yourself, that is typically because you've switched over into a creative mindset. You've switched over to the right side of your brain. And in a creative modality, you actually do not have the capability to process the concept of time. And so the passage of time is a, is a numerical um, measurement that happens on the analytical side. And so when you switch over to the right side of your brain, um, what you're doing is you are creating in this kind of amorphous, non-literal, non-linear space, and you don't have the ability to, um, you don't have the ability to uh, to track time. And, and what that does for you is it, it goes to a more like deep, um, kind of instinctual place. So for an example that most people, even if you're not creative, um, or I believe that everybody's creative, but even if you're not practiced in creativity, um, will recognize if you are doing something that you've done um, many, many, many times before, um, and then you like driving, so you're commuting, right? You drive, and then you turn on some music, or you start singing along the radio, or whatever, and then all of a sudden, it feels like bam, you're you're there, right? Or you know, you're just you're just or going. You pass your you just keep yeah, going. Or, yeah, you just keep going because you're yeah you pass you pass your exit or whatever. Um, or and this is how it feels to switch into a very uh, analytical mindset is you're doing that and then somebody cuts you off and slams on their brakes. What what your brain will immediately do is it will switch over to the analytical mindset where you can measure um, spatial relations and time to be able to figure out what your next move should be so that you don't get in a car accident. You will immediately become hyper aware of the passage of time. And that's when people say things like, yeah, everything went into slow motion. And that's because your left brain is going into kind of like hyperactivity to try to process 
uh, measurement and time and spatial relations to try to make sure that you're that you stay alive. Um, and so I, I'm I'm curious because I have been very curious about these uh, things, and and I teach this as a, as a way to uh, teach people who who typically don't view themselves as artists how to be artistic. Um, and and these are some of the cues. But I'm wondering um, for you two, are, are these things that you guys have paid attention to? Um, or noticed? Are they things that you intentionally try to invoke um, in, in your creative spaces that you that you carve out physically um, and 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 in time wise? I mean, is that is this something that you're just like, oh yeah, that sounds familiar, or is this something where you're very intentional about it? I'm, I'm definitely not intentional about it because if you ask me, I just think that I'm totally right brained and that's that's all there is. But uh, obviously, I know that that's not true. But um, yeah, for me, it's just. It's, it isn't something that I, I give a lot of thought to, but um, but listening to your example, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Josh. Um, it's weird because it's like I'm aware of it, um, but I'm kind of with Scott in the sense of like it's not something I place a ton of uh, real estate on, like in my mind, um, because. I am just kind of, I think, in that modality. So it, but, but I have noticed um, and been fascinated with <clears throat> like a couple of the concepts, like even just the concept of time itself, just philosophically is really interesting, like how subjective it is, how one person's experience of time passing can be different than another person's. Yeah. How time itself, like, I don't know, it, it gets really interesting, but it's like, time itself is like one of those things um that there's not really a lot of science explaining why time passes or why it exists or whether yeah. it's whether it's a, a measurable uh commodity or whether it's a subjective thing um and usually i think they tie it most scientists like tie time with like entropy and that so it's weird it's like as a rabbit hole that have gone down just in thought. It's yeah. de definitely something I think about. Um, but whether it's applicable or helpful in art is a whole other thing. Um, I think where I'm more kind of um, left-brained in my thinking, I think I would probably need to think about it more. You know? Yeah. So, so here's um, here's something I've talked a little bit about that, but that might be interesting. Um, there's there's something that neurologists call the default mode network, and the default mode network uh, is is a fancy way of saying daydreaming, right? It's a fancy way of saying that your mind begins to wander, um, because the neurologists have this phrase that uh, an idle mind seeks a toy, and so when you are doing something that uh, you know is you're very good at and you don't need to think a lot about, or when you're very bored, right? Um, you're doing something very boring. You, you can't be entertained, um, and and you, uh, you you have to be rested. So you're, you're it's called restful wakefulness. You will you'll begin to daydream, and they've they've done huge studies um, talking a lot about this about how it's really important. Um, it helps you solidify your moral core. Um, it, it helps you um, put things from short term memory into long term memory. It helps you um, process your relationships. 
um, which increases your ability to empathize with other people. Um, and it significantly increases your creativity to the point where they've done studies um, with boredom and they have given people creative exercises. Like one, one measure of creativity is being able to relate unrelated items, right? So if I give you two words, you figure out a way to relate those two words. Um, and the example in the study that I read was uh, American and string, right? And the connecting thing would be cheese, right? Um, and so they, they, they do little tests like that. And what they found is literally the more bored you are immediately prior to doing a creative activity, um, the significantly better you are. Uh, that is a horrible phrasing, but you're, you're much more much more um, apt to be creative. And so your, your creativity and your ability to solve creative problems increases directly proportionally to um, how bored you were previously. <clears throat> the, there is a limit to that um, where too much boredom will drive you insane. And they've, they've done studies on the other side that show that putting people in isolation is, is neurologically very problematic. Um, but it's interesting because um, a lot of people will try to, um, you know, second screen things or third screen things or, uh, you know, do their homework while they're watching TV or, you know, try to write a book, you know, while they're whatever entertained, you know, or listen to the radio or whatever. The problem, the problem with that is that you're actually decreasing your creativity because um, you're entertained while you're doing those things. The, the reason that I bring this up is because one of the fascinating things for me, because I teach in, a, in, I don't teach in the art department, I teach in the communication department. And so I teach PR practitioners, I teach journalists, I teach people who are going to go and do uh, visual comm for business. Um, and they don't come to the comm department thinking that they are artists or thinking that they are particularly creative. Um, but the interesting thing is, with a series of practices, you can increase and your, your creativity and build a situation where you your brain knows, oh, it's creative time, right? And, and there's like operant conditioning and classical conditioning where, um, you know, if you, I don't know, if, you're, if you always, um, you know, Pavlov's dog, the bell rings and he salivates, that type of thing. If I can do something with that with creativity saying that when I sit in this chair, it's time to draw when I, you know, when I hear this music, it's time to do this. When I smell, you know, this type of thing, it reminds me of this memory. And you can actually condition your brain to become creative or switch to the more um, creative side of your brain faster by building a series of practices and in an environment where you are creative. And I've heard people say, you know, I don't, you know, at my workstation, I make sure to not check emails, you know, on my phone or whatever, because they don't want to mix that up. Whether they're intentional about that or not, it's interesting that most professional artists that I know have an environment and a series of practices that they know that it's go time. And they're, they're, they've, they're actually using operant and classical conditioning, which are two different things, to um, train their brain to switch over to a different modality. So, so um, I just rambled for a super long time. But it's Monday, so we're going long, so it's okay. But I'm curious, uh, uh, you guys might not have thought about the passage of time and time flying and, and that type of thing as a, as a way to indicate that you're switching over to the, to the right side of your brain. Um, but I'm curious, um, do you guys have practices that kind of trigger to your brain, signal to your brain that now it's, now it's time to do comics, now it's time to write, now it's time to be creative? 
Um. Okay. Well, you want to field that first, Scott, or, or... sure. I mean, I, I I'm always that's a, that's kind of a in some ways that's kind of a struggle for me because my my mind does tend to wander and and daydream, and it's like because I'll. I usually like when I go running, I usually listen to podcasts and yeah. then my, it, or, you know, if I'm listening to a story on tape or something like that, and all of a sudden I'm like, my, I start thinking of something else and then I have to go back and rewind that rewind or not rewind, but you know, I'm old school, but you know, it's also, back, I, I also, I also yeah. noticed that you said that it was on tape. <laughs> yeah. Did I say tape? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. But you know what I mean? But anyway, so so yeah, and I'm constantly having to do that, having to flip back and, and yeah. recap because my mind just is all over the place. And I, I also find it's sometimes it's detrimental because one of the things that that would be really helpful for me if, if I was, I, I think one thing I really need to do that would help my art along is to be more observant and pay attention to you know, just to my surroundings and take that in. So if I need to pull from that to draw something or whatever, I'll know, oh, that how that's, oh, that's how that looks or something like that. Or you know, look, just anything, trees or whatever. But my mind is always wandering that I have to make a conscious effort. Like I'll say, okay, so this time when I'm out, I'm going to pay attention to this or that and everything, but it never seems to work. And I don't know, I don't know how to get around that. Um, and it's just, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This, and I don't know if it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's kind of a side note, but the, I, I'd be curious if this works because, uh, the, the theory, um, of, of using intentionally using the default mode network to your advantage, um, is that your, your brain hates being bored so much that it will, it will try to solve problems that have been introduced so if you want to study trees while you're running, um, try try drawing trees right before you go for a run, and then don't listen to anything. Well, what what should happen if if the theory is correct is that you've introduced a problem, and then you've given yourself boredom, and your brain will immediately go back to the most pressing problem and try to solve it. And so if you're near the solution, which would be actual trees, to the problem that you've introduced. And there's a space and time uh, that you're not being entertained. I'd I'd be very curious um, to see if that works because that's I've I've structured courses. I've written three or four courses on this, not on this topic, but using this methodology, where I will force them to sketch their ideas on Tuesday, but not turn in a draft until Friday. And actually, what I'm doing is forcing them to have time in between the introduction of the problem to the solution. So I'd be curious if it, if it transfers over to, to somebody like yourself, who's, you know, a trained professional and has decades of, of creative experience under, under your belt. If, if, if you could, if you could like do that order of things to be able to solve the problem of what trees look like or a brick wall or, you know, people when they're walking or whatever. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. I mean, I'm going to have to practice that. It'd be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, we've just yeah. introduced an experiment. Yeah. Um, and uh, Abe, Abe in the chat says he's going to try that with uh, with drawing animals. Um, so that'd be that'd be cool. Yeah, if you guys want to try this, I want to see if this works because I've seen it work with my students, but it's in a it's in an exceptionally controlled environment and it's very structured. So um, if you guys are trying to get better at something. Um, try this, try it where you, you try to draw it from memory and really try to study it out and figure it out. 
and then do something very boring where you are near that thing and see if your brain automatically starts deconstructing it. I'd be super curious to see if this works because if you can do this, then you can actually, you can actually kind of like, uh, you can, you can hack your brain into teaching you the things that you want to improve at, which would be really interesting. So anyway, yeah. like, little, for, little, little side tangent, but I'd be super curious yeah, to see if no. that works. Yeah, because for me, the only way to be successful at that so far is like if I want to draw, learn to draw people better, I have to actually go out, sit down somewhere where there's a lot of people and just draw. Yeah. Because that's the only thing. Like, because I'm, otherwise I'm not paying attention to how people act, their mannerisms, things like that as much, you know, yeah. or or whatever, if you want to go to the zoo and draw animals or, or whatever the thing is, but you, ha- I have to like, actually, that has to be the main thing. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, I have, I guess I have this hard problem multitasking, but it seems like my mind wants to multitask because when I am out whatever jogging and listening to something, my mind is thinking about projects that I'm working on and it's trying to go into that mode and be creative at the same time I'm trying to do this other thing. So even though, you know, that multitasking thing is probably isn't my best thing. It just seems like my mind always wants to try it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, Tim in the chat says that makes sense because people who do the open air painting, uh, claim that the paintings have more life. Um, and it, interesting, interesting side note, I, I'm getting, we're, we're talking a lot about neurology, but I guess that's the topic, but interesting side note, um, it's, it's impossible for males to multitask. Um, impossible? It, yeah. And I've heard you mention this before. I'm curious. I, like, I, 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 I listen, I listen to, you can, you can switch, you can switch tasks very quickly to where it seems like you're doing two things at the same time, but you're actually you're actually just rapidly switching back and forth. Um, there, there's a thing in between your lobes called the corpus callosum. Um, and the corpus callosum is a, an information highway, basically, right? That, that gets uh, different parts of your brain to speak to each other. And um, if you are... Uh, the, the females, the difference... The way that this neurologist described it, the, the lecture that I heard, was that um, the difference between... Uh, the female corpus callosum and the male corpus callosum is the difference between an eight-lane freeway and a bike path. Um, and so women are actually physically capable of multitasking, um, which is why, uh, you know, and there's there's everybody's different in things and there's different levels of this. And I know that there's, you know, there's a scale. It's a fluid scale. And so not, it's, not, it's not a black and white thing, but, but neurologically, um, you know, women are more apt to have something happen in one part of their life and because the corpus callosum is so big, it affects all of the parts of their life where men are more apt to have something happen in one part of their life and they compartmentalize that and they leave that in that box and it doesn't necessarily affect everything else. Um, and so it's kind of an interesting thing, but the corpus callosum being a, a drastically different size means that, that men typically are incapable of, of multitasking. We can switch tasks really fast, but women can actually, can actually multitask, um, which is kind of interesting. So... Yeah, and there's actually a lot of studies on multitasking that are that are worth looking into that apply to both women and men, where it's actually been shown that a lot of the time multitasking does more harm than good. Um, so like a lot of people will think they're being more effective by multitasking and, and will find themselves actually getting less effective work done. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting that difference you're talking about. I've read that as well, like that, that there's a pretty 
pretty severe difference in like who in in the capability um to multitask which i think is is a pretty pretty big um it speaks really well i think for women because they're they're just thinking more <laughs> yeah um and i i think that's actually pretty pretty fascinating and rings pretty true but i'm sure there's always exceptions and stuff like that yeah and if you guys want to hear more about this go listen to the episode that we talked about the task switching penalty yeah because uh, we talked about this for a long time um, yeah and it, it's it is a, it is a fascinating topic um i, I want to get back and i'm curious josh uh jumping back to that original question um do you have do you have uh, an environment or practices or behaviors patterns that you've developed that help you uh help you know that it's time to to switch over to a creative modality yeah i mean i think um just personality wise i'm a person who has like kind of organized chaos so i'll have like a stack that seems completely insane on my art table and if the stack gets like shuffled or like organized it like throws me out of my kind of creative zone because I know where everything is. Yeah. So that's one thing is like having an environment where I know where everything is, where um, when I've left something somewhere, it's going to be there the next day. Um, and so for me, um, in a weird way, like repetition, which I think ties into the boredom factor a little bit, but repetition is a huge thing. Um, a repetitive environment. Um, I have go-to podcasts that I listen to to kind of get my head out of the day and more into kind of like um, being interested in something outside of my kind of daily work experience. Um, And at work, I just rely heavily on kind of organization and pausing whenever I have moments of... um, thinking of the whole and kind of dissecting the whole into parts that are more, uh, more uh, like little spaces where I can be free to kind of like think without stress. Um, And that's, that's really useful to me too. Um, But what's interesting is like um, allowing the, the difficult thing. And I think the challenge that we're kind of, you know going to be addressing i'm sure um with with being creative is you're kind of like yearning to get to that point where you're so into a project that you lose track of time yeah yet everything about what we do at least professionally is based on deadlines yeah and so it's this um it's there's a little bit of a um there's a little bit of a a problem there, meaning, you know, like there's a conflict that's naturally there, which is you as the artist want to zone out, you want to get into your design, you want to lose track of time. And as the business, you have to deliver on time. Um, And you have to keep track of time. Yeah. So it's like this, this kind of multi um, modality thinking that you have to kind of do and and i don't find that thinking in both is what is good so what i do is um and and you know you guys can go back to the task switching um episode because i talked about you know um my my theory on like micro tasking which is like my own little term but basically i like to dissect things um like a large chunk of time into very small 
reasonable chunks of time where I don't have to worry about time. So, um, because I do find that if you're worried about time, you, you kind of lose that, that playfulness, you lose that, um, that mood that you can get in and get lost in and be really creative. So it's like in, in lieu of that, in lieu of being able to just kind of zone out and work for like 18 hours, you know, <laughs> um, I can at least divide something into like 15 minute segments where I'm like, okay, this will take about 15 minutes and then just kind of get in the zone. Um, with my own projects though, it, it's very interesting because like I'm less and less reliant on that getting in the zone and losing track of time thing um, than I was when I was a young artist. Um, and I think it's very similar to the happy accident thing where it's like when you're, when you're a newer artist, you're very reliant on happy accidents to kind of make anything good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you start figuring out how those accidents happened and you start having more and more like planned accidents, weirdly enough. And, um, and so like, you still have happy accidents. They're just less and less unplanned and less and less um, frightening when they happen. Um, but, but similarly, I think, you know, like waiting for that time that you get so into your work and engrossed in your work that you lose track of time um, is something that, I did a lot as a younger artist um, and kind of sought out and felt like I kind of had to do that to get anything done. Whereas now more and more just by showing up um, with a routine, like doing things like this, the 48 hour art check, um, I find that I've programmed my brain to have the space to, to um, be able to explore as much as I need to within a limited time frame which I think fits with, with my life better, you know, and I think all of us are in a similar boat where we're like balancing family and paid work and then personal work and building our own brands and stuff. And so it's really, um, it, it's almost out of necessity that, that I've developed that like habitual um, habit-based uh, modality. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it completely makes sense. And I think that's, I think that's an important thing to, to point out is that, um, th th this is, and I, and I, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to relate all of this stuff to mundane examples because I think, I yeah. think that's the most useful, but most people, when you ask them where they get their best ideas, um, will say the shower. And, and I think it's, I think it's because of exactly what you're talking about. One, yeah. um, when you are in the shower, you don't have to think about what you're doing. You've done it so many times that it has become a ritual. It's become a habit. You know, it, it is very rote. You, you, you jump into the shower and you, if you were to pay attention, you would probably recognize that you wash yourself in the same order each time because that's the most efficient way. You, you've actually grooved that track into your brain and you don't have to be like, okay, I've washed my left armpit. Now it's time to yeah. wash my right armpit, right? And so that frees up your mind to be able to uh, to do other things, right? And so it's not like you step into the shower and you're like, okay, all right, what am I doing here? It's like, no, once, yeah. once, once you strip down and you turn the water on, like it's go time, you do that. And I think you can do that with your creative spaces and with your art and with your writing and with your animation is as soon as you you know, put on the headphones or sit down in that chair or turn on a specific type of music or, 
um, you know, you're in a space or it's a certain time of day, um, if you're habitual about it, um, you will start to miss it when it, when it goes away. Like it, it, like it feels weird as an adult to not shower first thing in the morning now. Like, I feel like my day is totally off because I have been doing that for so long. And, and it's gotten to the point now where if I don't hit the drawing table by, you know, somewhere between eight to 10 o'clock at night, everything starts to feel off because my brain is used to doing that. It's become a habit. And so when that habit is broken or is off a little bit, everything feels shifted just a little bit wrong. You know, there's that part of your day that's kind of missing um, yeah. because your brain is kind of habitual. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, because I'm going through that right now because, well, I've been going through it for the past month or so because usually the, what I do is I'll wake up at six and then I'll go jogging. But now it's just, it's still pitch dark out at six. So now what I'm trying to do is, well, either I'll sleep in for another hour and just either lose an hour or stay up later or whatever, or I'll get up and start working on other things and get like an hour or whatever done. But it just doesn't, it's not falling into place because then, then I'll get busy working. And then by the time it's, I guess it's still doing the same amount of things. It just, it's all thrown off because then, you know, say if I get up and I work on something for two hours, then it seems like I'm late get going jogging and then getting the shower. And by the time I'm already showered and everything, it's like 10 o'clock. Yeah. And it's just like everything's all thrown off. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to, I wanted to ask, so I'm, I'm just curious how you think, because um, so you had mentioned the best, a lot of people say the best, their best ideas happen when they're in the shower. For me, it seems like, and, and that happens sometimes too, but for me, it, it's like right before I go to bed to the point where some, like a lot of times I'll keep like a notebook and sometimes I'll wake up and have an idea. And yeah. Actually, I haven't had that notebook in a while because I'll just put it in my phone. But it's kind of hard when you're waking up and, tech and typing something in. But, um, but yeah, it's either before I go to bed or whatever. And I guess I don't know if it's just because I'm winding down or whatever. But that's it, it me, could. That's what it a lot of it my could be. Can I can I ask some questions? Do you? Yeah. Are you surfing the internet on your phone as you fall asleep? Am I? Uh, no. Sometimes I. Not usually. Usually, what I'll do well. Usually when I like, I'll usually have like a comic book or I'll start reading it and I'll fall asleep halfway through it or, you know, or I'll put on, usually I, what I'd like to do is just to unwind, like I'll put on like a, a television show. Like I've been watching, um, the new mystery science theater and I'll watch like about 20 minutes and then I'll fall asleep. And the next day I'll watch another 20 minutes and fall asleep. Yeah. So, um, but you know, when I'm not, when I'm, you know, if I'm not gross, sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll just be laying there or whatever. And sometimes it will be on my phone, but I don't usually like, is the question if I fall asleep while I'm on my phone? Or? No, the, the question, the question is that the reason I ask is because, um, it used to be, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago when people would ask this question, um, that, uh, the toilet, uh, falling asleep, showering, um, doing the dishes, uh, exercising, those used to be lots of answers that you would get. But with the advent of uh, these tiny computers that you can just put six inches from your face, um, it's almost eliminated all of those things because all of those things were things where you were allowed to have uh, your mind wander. Um, it's called unprogrammed time. 
And so there's programmed yeah. time and then there's unprogrammed time. And because most phones are not waterproof, uh, we don't have our phone with us in the shower. And so that's still unprogrammed time. But I'll sit there and I'll play this stupid Star Wars game on my phone while I, while I take a crap, you know? And so that used to be that I would sit there and read or whatever. And so reading um, is kind of in between a program time and an unprogrammed time because you control the speed. And so when you're reading a comic or whatever, your mind can still wander and drift because there's not like a, an audible and visual cue to like bring you back and grab you and say, hey, I'm still here. Um, you, you can just look off the page, you know, or, or close the book or drift yeah. off or whatever. Um, but if you're watching television or if you are doing something, doing something that's a little bit more programmed, um, then your mind doesn't have the ability to wander as much because it'll, it'll keep grabbing you. The programming continues to grab you. So my question, I was just curious as you were falling asleep, what your habits were, because, uh, most of the younger generation that's coming up into college now, uh, they are having sleep issues and they are having, uh, attention issues because there's very little time of their day where they're not directly staring at programmed material. Yeah. And I think, um, just tacking onto that, like, uh, you know, it's an interesting, um, thing because people, you know, when I was growing up and I'm not trying to do that, like back in my day kind of thing, but, um, like a friend of mine actually wrote a book um, called Disruptive Witness that talks about a little bit of this. Um, but anyhow, like one of, one of the points that um, that he kind of makes in that book and that I, I think rings pretty true is like, you know, people used to solve like major like existential issues in their lives just by like having this point where, and if you think about just like even pre-electricity, you know, like the second the sun is down and you've got like limited candles, you know, or like gaslight, um, you're basically like in a dim room with complete silence. The shops are closed and it's you, yourself and a, a bed, right. you know. And so there's a lot of thought that would go through that that would cause people to have like really deep questions like hit them that are actually like important questions. Um, I think for artists, especially because, you know, when, when you, when you're talking about like something you're going to dedicate a bunch of time to, it's good to put a little bit of thought into it, not overthink it, but at least have like a deep, it doesn't have to be, you know, it could be as deep of a thing as just, Hey, I want to make people laugh, you know? Right. But, um, but having like a deep reason that's deep and by deep, I don't mean like deep in like some um, philosophical way. I just mean deep, like for you as a person. Like, yeah, it's, it's rooted, um, rooted deeply in who you are, what you want to, what you want to be. Yeah. Something that's deep inside of you. That's a driver. Um, and, and if you can link like something deep, that's like driving you um, to your art, like you're going to be that much more motivated to do it. However, um, you know, a lot of students and a lot of young artists aren't having those moments of like sitting down and being like, what do I want to be? Like, do I want to, um, you know, like what, what do I, what kind of story do I want to tell? Why tell stories? Like these weird questions that only kind of bother people, at least used to bother people like in bed when everything was shut off. Um, cause there's no shut off moment anymore. 
And so it's, it, it is fascinating. Um, and I, and I will say like, I do try to program time like that. Like one of the beauties of, um, of me commuting a really long time, um, oddly is I do have moments where I will like shut everything off in my car and just drive yeah, and just think, and maybe even talk, you know, just to try to kind of work stuff out. And that's really helpful for like reassessing things for like analyzing. Um, like, let's say I have like a, a political thing I need to do or a, 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 um, a creative thing I need to do, whatever it is, it's like a great problem solving time and a great um, philosophical time. And, and so in a weird way, it's like, I hate the commute. I hate the length of the commute, but I am in this rare position where I get like a good hour and a half, you know, one way um, in the mornings and about an hour and a half on the way back where I'm, I'm just in thought and, and most of the driving's pretty automatic. So, um, you know, a lot of that's just instinct, you know, because you're just paying attention to the road. Um, But it is it is fascinating because I do find that, um, you know, I I think you need moments like that. I think you need moments of quiet um, to kind of reach um, deeper things. And and once again, I want to want to explain by deeper things, I don't mean like you know, super savvy comics or something like that. I just mean deeper things like things that are deep rooted in yourself, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And it reminds me of uh, why I enjoy riding a motorcycle um, because you don't have the option of Spotify or, uh, you know, listening to Netflix or whatever. Like it's just wind. That's, that's what you get is you get engine, loud engine and wind. Um, and then, you know, and then there's just your surroundings because for me, I know a lot about this and I studied a lot about this. I, I did a, I, I did a big project during my master's on, on this particular topic of the relationship of boredom and creativity. And I think I'm drawn to this topic because I am the worst offender at this. I mean, I am never more than three to five feet away from an iPad or an iPhone. I I have, because I had an iPhone since generation one and my wife has, I mean, we just have iPhones all over the house and I've got like several iPads and a few computers and there's a computer where I teach and there's a computer in my office and there's a computer, you know, I have a little thing that mounts it to my dashboard and like I can, like I'm never away from this stuff um, to the point where if I'm not intentional about this, um, you know, then I don't. So like I'll, I'll walk home and I'll find myself before, and I'll do this often, before I say hi to my family, um, I'll just say, sorry, I'll, I'll be right back. And I've got to, I've got to run downstairs and write a bunch of things down because that walk home was the only time where I wasn't in programmed time, staring at, staring at something, being entertained. It was the only time in the day that my brain actually had a time to do this. I've actually mounted a thing into my shower head so that I can listen to audiobooks while I shower you know, or whatever. I like, I'm, I'm ruining these, these little safe havens, these little sanctuaries of boredom in my life. Um, just because I just, I, I want to constantly consume information. I'm just so interested in some of this stuff, but, but it's, it's a problem, uh, in that, uh, in that sometimes, um, I find myself being like, oh, I need to choose 
to turn everything off. And I'll I'll put headphones on and not turn anything on just to like deaden the noise because I am so easily distracted. Like I have to set yeah. up I have to set up my workstations so that my in my sight line I, I don't catch glimpses of people walking by or whatever because I will I will immediately be like ooh what's going on and then just and then I'm gone for a while just kind of like you know wondering who that was and where they're going and what's you know it's just like like squirrel squirrel you know i mean every yeah you know and so i'm so bad at this and i think that's why i've studied it so much is because i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out good ways of doing this because when i do commit to having large periods of my day and by large periods i mean 30 minutes and they've done studies that 30 minutes a day will drastically alter your life it reduces anxiety and depression it increases creativity and empathy it does it does a huge amount of of just 30 minutes of 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 kind of restful wakefulness a day where you're meditating or praying or thinking or doing yoga or going on a run or whatever like they they've done studies that it it, it will start to improve major problems um and if i don't do that uh i i'm i'm not tapping into a huge part of my life. And so I'm really trying to figure out a, a way that I can be as dedicated to that kind of restful wakefulness space as I am to my job and my family and my art, because I think it feeds into and makes all three of those things better, but I'm just so bad at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think that's unique to you. Um, I, I think this is actually something that, um, we're all pretty bad at yeah and i think i think it's like you know when you when you look into it and i'm sure you have because you wrote wrote a paper about it and stuff uh probably a you know part of your thesis i'm imagining yeah um but uh but like you know there's a lot of um science to the fact that um you know as we're doing these things we're getting endorphin hits right and so it's akin to um you know like a drug that's rewarding you every time you kind of show up so like you know every time you clear those gems or whatever on those gem games it's like a little endorphin hit and it's a reward system that's like programmed in us for good things because it's like when you go on a hunt and you you get this little endorphin rush when you get like when you when you kill a bear or whatever because you're gonna get food or you you know, put in the work and plant something. And then you see that sprout come out. It gives you an endorphin rush, encouraging you to keep planting and keep making things. Um, But then there's the unhealthy thing, which is like the consumer version of that, where it's like, you get this hit from consuming. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's like a misfiring of the brain um, of what, what's of something that was once good. That's just like really hard to shut off. And, so I, I really need to plan that kind of thing more. Um, like one of the things I even like about the doing these 48 hour art checks and doing the art casters with Scott, like um, every Thursday, it's like, I like those because they also force me to kind of get in a conversation yeah. where I'm not super distracted during the conversation, you know, because the majority of conversations I have, even with friends and stuff are like super distracted, not oriented around art. You know, um, maybe there's a little art in there. Um, and so it's, it is nice to have this moment where I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to talk about art, you know, for a little bit. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, it's, it is fascinating, like how, you know, that in itself could be hurting creativity, you know? 
Um, it does make me wonder, you know, like I, I have moments sometimes, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, both of you guys, but I, I have moments sometimes where I wonder if like maybe the trip, maybe the thing is to not do social media for a long time to just get the work done and then do the social media. I don't know, but I, I don't know if that's true. I just, I've had that thought before where I've been like, I wonder if this, this whole thing with social media is just like a giant time suck away from things that could be like, you know, all of us could be doing really rewarding work. (laughs) It's just a thought I've had. Um, and, and I just mean, I, I obviously probably come on the end of thinking it's probably more beneficial than negative because I, I continue it, but it is something I've thought before, you know? I mean, I've never yeah. seen... So I see people on Twitter do this a lot. I mean, Neil Gaiman did it. A bunch of other people have done it where they, they'll go on a Twitter fast or whatever they want to call it. And I've yeah. never seen any of them come back and regret it. Um, yeah. You know, But at the same time, for me... And I, I have a really short answer to this because I'm curious on what Scott thinks. Um, for me, I have almost gamified social media to the point where I'm, I'm using it to give me those rewards on small progress for my projects. And so yeah. when, when I, and I, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm, I have a huge influence on anything, but when I, when I finish part of something and I, and I, and I post it and I get a couple people going, Hey, that looks cool. There, there's my little like validation feedback loop that, that is motivation to continue. Um, Agreed. And so I, I wonder if for myself, if I just like went dark for a couple months while I worked on something, I, I wonder if I'd be able to continue it because I've actually built that kind of feedback loop into my motivational structure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. For, for me, it's, I don't know what it is, but I don't, I could probably give up social media. Well, that's not true, entirely true, but I could, it, for like with Facebook, I don't. I I could go days without if if I had to go days without going on Facebook or Instagram or or whatever. I mean, I definitely want to continue YouTube because that's you know that seems to be where things are growing. But I have to make a conscious effort to do that that stuff because I get in the zone I'm creating and I try to block that stuff out. And for me, but I understand the importance of social media. I mean, because. If you sure, I mean, if you uh, if you just want to dive into your project and and you're fulfilled by that project and that's what you're looking for, sure. But if you want people to see that project and if you want to, you know, kind of do it as a living and build an audience around what you're doing, I mean, social media is super important. So for me, I have to I actually have to kind of do the opposite where I have to like no, I've got to, I've got to, I mean, I'm constantly like, one of the things I got to do this next year is like focus more on Instagram and, and, you know, because I just kind of, other than what I was doing in Inktober, which I did every day, um, I just, I haven't posted anything on, on Instagram since Inktober yeah. and, you know, and then, and it, sometimes it's hard because people will leave me messages on different social medias other than like YouTube and, like sometimes I can't even find them. Like I, like somebody sent me a direct message, and I don't know if there's two different places direct messages go on Instagram <laughs> because there was one where somebody sent me a message, and I looked at it, and I tried to go back, and it was like not there. And like, but there were other instant, me- there were other messages. So 
I don't know. So I'm, and I always get, I always feel guilty because I like to respond to everyone, but sometimes like things just disappear and I'm just not, I've just got to get better at that kind of stuff. But for me, yeah. like, when, like, you know, when, when I will go on, like, I don't have to like check. It's usually when, when I'm at a place where it's like, okay, I'm just waiting for somebody to get here or something like that. Then I'll go on and I'll, I'll flip through my Instagram and everything like that. Um, but it's never, it's usually not in the middle of the day. I don't think I checked Instagram at all today. Um, but so I don't know. I don't know. I've kind of, to me, it's kind of the opposite thing, but I, I, to me, I don't, I don't want to kind of, I just see the importance of it. And I, it's, yeah. to me, it's something that I want to do more of. And maybe that's because I'm not too worried because so far I don't seem to be as addicted to it. Now I, I'm sure if I actually monitored my time, I'm, I probably spend way more time on those things than I think I am, yeah. but, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, I don't get to that point where it's like, oh, I'm spending way too much time on Instagram or something like that. So yeah. I don't. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. It's like, I, I don't personally feel like in love with, with social media and stuff. And I have to kind of force myself to do it as well. Um, although I do like it being a, a kind of excuse to like hang out with my buddies, like right now, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, but uh, it to me, what's fascinating to me is just thinking about whether, you know, like I, I know there's a lot of people who who swear by, you know, the pro productivity and the benefits of doing social media and stuff. But I do wonder sometimes, you know, um, like whether it whether it causes more productivity and success or actually might hinder it in, in oh, yeah. some cases it's, and, a, it's, uh, a, it's a huge double-edged sword because you guys yeah you guys might maybe on the different end of the spectrum because i easily can lose hours in a day on on twitter or instagram or pinterest or youtube or and i have all these i've deleted them off of my phone before because i realized oh i haven't done anything in two hours and, and that's not that's not necessarily uncommon so yeah. it, 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 I find them, I find it very useful, but I also find it, you know, like a, like a huge time suck at times. So, yeah. Like for me, it's, I mean, YouTube is a big one, but I, I'm usually drawing, but like, like today, like, I don't know, or the past couple of days, like I've been, I've been watching all these old, like interviews with all these old hip hop artists that I, I used to listen to. And I'm just kind of curious, like, oh, this is interesting. What's going on with them? And it's there's nothing going on on the screen. Right. It's just them talking. But yeah. and usually that's the kind of thing that I'll just have on. But I've I've noticed a couple of them. I'm just like watching the screen yeah. and like drawing, like oh, I get, and then I get in, in, like engaged in it. Um, but so I don't know. Sometimes that happens, but most of the time, I mean, I I consume a ton of YouTube. But it's usually, like I said, it's usually while I'm drawing. But every once in a while, there's a few things that it's just like oh oh and i don't know and that's probably it might be i may have to kind of curtail that a little bit because it's i definitely didn't do that when i was when i was working because uh you know i didn't have that i didn't have i wasn't watching that stuff at all i was just listening right. to it i couldn't you know because i had to have my work on the screen and not you know not the youtube video so yeah. but now that that's not an option i'll have somebody looking over my shoulder i can actually watch a little more so i might have to be careful with that 
Yeah, it's a weird thing, man. I mean, um, you know, and and by the way, like I, you know, I'm with Corey in the sense of like I don't feel like I'm like, um, like I definitely am like an offender. I guess would be the thing, <laughs> you know. Like I've been binging Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, um, because I had forgotten about that show, and then I I just saw that it's on Hulu, uh, not Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, and so I was like, oh, I'm I'm watching all of these because I love this humor. It's very funny. And then, you know, fast forward to, you know, a bunch of times where I'm just kind of listening to the audio because I've seen the episodes, but then I'm like, yeah, but this is really funny, you know? <laughs> so it's, it is hard to, um, it's hard to navigate. It's, it's just an interesting thing. I definitely think like, regardless of where you fall on it, I think it's worth thinking about you know, yeah. because I, I definitely don't ever want to be one of those people who's just autopiloting, you know, through something that could be done better or, you know, not asking a question where it's like, hmm, would that, you know, because I still am kind of curious. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you should try it. Try it for a month and see if and see if you notice a change. Because, I mean, for me, I think um, I, I I love this type of discussion until it turns into uh, shame and guilt, you know, as soon yeah. as, as soon as people start making judgments, um, or people start beating themselves up, it's, it's no longer a fun, useful or productive discussion. Um, and so if you're doing this with yourself and you're saying, oh man, I think I'm on Twitter too much or whatever. I think I'm, you know, uh, I, I'm finding myself, you know, doing whatever that's being distracting instead of using that as a point to beat yourself up. If you use that as a, as a, tweaking point one of the one of the things that i i've been doing lately that i found really interesting is instead of making these big giant sweeping decisions like i'm gonna you know do x and you plant a flag in the ground and you make a big deal about it do these little minor tweaks like just yeah. just kind of instead of the course adjustment you're just fine-tuning things just a little bit and so if you notice like you notice like oh you know i noticed that when i sit down in my in my chair at the table to do some art that i get my phone out of my pocket and i waste half an hour playing you know whatever game it is that you play on your phone um i'm gonna make a minor tweak and i'm gonna i'm gonna put my phone down outside of the room before i go in that's just that's just a minor tweak but it's not like you're gonna say you necessarily say uh i'm gonna delete my account and i'm gonna you know never play this again and uh, you know i swear off of anything that has an electrical pulse to it you know whatever like you make these things that are just kind of impossible to keep if you're just like i just want to see what happens if i if i just put a timer on this if i just put a five five minute timer if i just leave it outside of the room or if i actually buy a physical alarm clock and plug my phone in to the downstairs or whatever yeah, that's one of the biggest reasons that I've always been kind of against like New Year's resolutions and stuff, because I tend to feel like people when they're doing resolutions, you know, have extremes and are almost setting themselves up for failure because they've waited till New Year's to like set it up. And it is one of those things of like most changes happen in minor increments. Like, yeah. you know, um, when I wanted to start working out, it didn't just happen. It's like, at first it was a pain in the butt and then it's like you build the habit and then once you have the habit it's not like it's suddenly all fun to do it's just become a habit so it's like ingrained but you don't start with like you know the the craziest workout you start like slow and then you build up and build up and build up and it, it you know similarly like you know with something like that um 
I mean, I don't personally feel like I struggle with that, but I'm aware of certain things. Like I am a super addictive personality. Um, actually, I was going to bring this up too, just getting into that modality question. Sorry that you had asked earlier. Uh -huh. Um, one of my bad habits is actually really great for creating that kind of mind modality, which is part of why it's so addictive. But um, I, so I'm still addicted to nicotine. Like I used to smoke like a pack and a half a day and you'll notice I like vape um, and there's still nicotine in this. Um, and one of the things that nicotine's a stimulant for is actually for like philosophical thought, hmm. um, that side of the brain. And so um, that's horrible for an artist. I think it's why so many artists, when they do smoke, they smoke like, um, because it's like, it's, it's a very, uh, it, it, it's very conducive for that mode of thinking, but it's very terrible and detrimental for everything else. Um, that's also required for being an artist. So, um, but, but any, anyhow, considering that, like I'm the type of person who like, I picked up a cigarette when I was younger and then just got super into it. Um, I know that about myself when, when there are certain things I latch onto one of them's video games. And so I just don't own a, ga a gaming system because if I owned a gaming system, I would just be a, like a full-time gamer. Um, and, and that's, you know, like, that's not what I want to do when I'm off work, you know? Um, and so, so there's some things like that too, just making the decision not to, like, if it's something, you know, cognizantly you you struggle with then the next time the new gaming system comes out just maybe don't you know um and, and and that's just for me but i'm just saying like there's things like that that aren't and once again it's not like a massive change it's an incremental thing of like well maybe the next time you just don't upgrade you know yeah um so i i don't know i've found that personally really helpful um i i also have tons of friends who game and don't have the same crazy issue I do with it. <laughs> um, yeah, and when when you do want to go down that rabbit hole, uh, Just Cause is a great game. Rocket League. I'll, I'll give you about six games that you need to start playing, and you'll just nice. you'll lose all productivity. <laughs> no, I I love I love gaming. I I I um I am not a heavy gamer, but I but I do go in in spurts of uh, of playing. And I've found for those of you that want don't want to upgrade a new console system, just uh just play on the PC or the Mac, and then your your system never goes out of date, <laughs> and your games never go out of date. You can always use them anyway. That's a divergent topic. So yeah, I will I will be the person that will enable you in your bad habits if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I I will hit you up if I ever feel. Like I, in that case, it's more of like a capability thing. Like if I feel ready to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and I, I even find that, I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes if I'm just like a neurologically crazy person or whatever, because I can't even play a video game without like trying to squeeze some sort of learning or productivity out of it. I'm like, cause I will usually turn the sound down to where I can still hear it. And then I'll listen to like, uh, you know, 12 hours of uh, lectures on ancient Greece or something. <laughs> so it's like, I'll do like, I'll do these great courses and, uh, and, and video gaming like marathons where, where, you know, I'll like spend a weekend and burn through like 
you know, 30 hours of lectures on something and, uh, and, and, and beat a video game, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I don't do that often. Uh, but I, I do it often enough to where I've noticed that I get very bored with just a video game. So it's usually, I have to have a podcast or a YouTube channel or a, uh, yeah. you know, an audio book or a lecture series or something while, while I'm doing that. Man, I sound like the most wound up uptight guy. Like, yeah, I like to relax by by <laughs> listening to historical lectures. <laughs> uh, that's great. No, I'm kind of with you, man. Like the great courses series is great. And it's like, you know, yeah, I got 80 hours of audiobook right here and half of it's really like slow material that they're just going to dissect and <laughs> and um, but, but it, it is fascinating because when you dip into it, you know, you're getting like, I don't know, to me, those are great. Cause it's like, you get to like, it, it's like being able to like peek into like a, a history class at Harvard, you know, for like, yeah. for like 10 bucks. It's great. And so, you don't have to do the homework or write any of the papers. I love that so much. You don't have to memorize the dates, which I've always been terrible at. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, is it, did we kind of, do you guys kind of feel like we, we kind of hit everything on that topic? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, yep. I think that was pretty good. I want to throw the challenge out there to everybody again. Um, Scott, Scott brought this up and I, I think it's super fascinating. We're going to check in with Scott and see how it goes. And I know, uh, several people in the chat, Abe and others were, were mentioning doing this. So if there's something that you want to figure out whether you want to learn how to do something or learn how to draw something is probably the easiest way to do this application. Try, try the method of, uh, introducing the problem. So, uh, push really hard at it intensely for a short period of time and then allow yourself immediately after that, uh, a period of, of restful wakefulness. So some period of time of boredom, uh, where you're exercising or you are doing the dishes or you are, uh, you know, doing doing something that will allow you um, to not be experiencing programs time. And then uh, sometime after that, try that thing again and see if your brain has crunched on that problem during that downtime. Because I'm super curious whether we could like hack, hack our brains into, uh, you know, using this kind of switching in a way to like, like hyper learn things. I think that would be awesome. Like if you're having trouble with like, elbows or hands or something you know like really try to deconstruct that for like 30 minutes and then go do something boring around hands and uh and, and see if it helps i'm super curious now on, on if this is a thing that we could do uh because yeah. it'd be really awesome so yeah uh scott any any closing thoughts no not really all right um so if you want to check out Scott's stuff and, and get awesome free things that will help you do your comics, go to cirqueworks.com, sign up, sign up for his email newsletter, um, and you can check him out on YouTube and Instagram and, and such. And if you want to check out Josh's stuff, you can go to quarterlystories.com. You can see the pages he's just uploaded, the comic that he's working on, which is well worth a read. And uh, while you're at it, you're on his channel, so go ahead and... Uh, like and subscribe and ring that bell and uh, make sure that you uh, go download the Tapas app on your phone or mobile device and uh, subscribe to his. I did that the other day um, and uh, the, the account is free and everything and, and each little subscription or adding to the library or whatever helps him out. You can always check my stuff out at coreycurd.com. 
I will be posting a finished uh, bumper animation here in the next couple days with some new music that will go with my channel. And so you can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, all of that is at CoreyKerr.com. Um, carve out some time to be bored. And we'll see you guys in a couple days. Love it. Later.